Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. If you're looking for a way to start your self-care journey or looking for a unique gift to give to someone at Christmas, check out my new book, The Ultimate I Deserve a Break Coloring Book. It's filled with inspirational designs created by me, um, all around giving and uh, living intentionally. So if you'd like to check that out, it's available on Amazon, as well as my new website at www.neliahutt.com. That's www dot n-e-l-i-a-h-u-t-t -T dot com. Welcome to the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt. Thank you again for coming and joining me and my beautiful guest today for some, you know, some healing. We're going to be talking about some healing. We're going to be talking about just how to get through life and Oh, there's just so many things. I'm so excited. So today we have Melanie Oliver from Dubai. Hi, Melanie. How are you? Hi, Nalia. I'm very well. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to, to be your guest here on your podcast. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for accepting and for coming on and sharing with us today. Um, yeah, for the past 15 years, Melanie has been working as a holistic therapist, a spiritual guide, and a healing coach. You know, after a decade of working with hundreds of women and noticing how emotions affect people's health and impact their life, she now specializes in helping women who suffer from deep emotional wounds. I love this so much. It's so needed in the world. It honestly is. Um, women who are wounded by their ch childhood traumas and past negative relationships heal themselves and open themselves to love so that they can live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilling life. Um, that's what my podcast is all about. How can we live better? You know, how can we live better? How can we do more than just take up space, you know, and it's so important. Um, yeah, I just warm welcome to Melanie today. She, you know, we've just started our conversation, but I could already tell like her heart right through the screen. So yeah. thank you, Melanie, thank you so much. Thank you. And I'll start by saying that I actually, I, I love the, uh, the title of your podcast, like Giving Starts With You. Um, I was actually um, working with a client just this week and I shared with her because she had the pattern of self-sacrificing and um, people pleasing and all of that. And I um, and obviously eventually you just burn out. Right. You you and then you you end up being resentful of the people that you're giving to. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. You know, it's it's your decision to give um, from when your cup is empty. And I was sharing with her the um, uh, analogy of um I don't know if it's an analogy or metaphor of um, putting the gas mask on first before you actually, you know, help, even if it's your husband or your child, you know, we have a tendency to do, especially for our loved ones and our family. Um, but, you know, if you pass out because you don't have the gas mask on, then you can't actually, you know, be of any help. So, yeah, I just thought I'd share that. Oh, thank you so much. And I appreciate that. And I learned that the hard way, you know, because of burnout and, and a lot of us do. And, and that's why we're here. And uh, that's why you're here is just to help remind us, you know, you have to, we're not taught to do that necessarily growing no. up. You know, it's selfish. It's selfish. Don't think of yourself. Don't talk about yourself, you know, lower your standards, you know, as women sometimes, um, yeah. if you do something good or if you get a compliment, oh, let's just dismiss it, you know? So yes. I think it's so, so important. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let's start from the beginning. I know that <laughs> um, 
you have a story on your site about your grandmother and about you and the start of your journey and everything. Can you tell us a little bit about how this all started and what put you on this path of learning more? Sure. Yeah, so um, I'm from Bahia. I'm not sure if you know what that is. It's in the northeast of Brazil um, on the coast, and it's very... Um, uh, it's very occult. There's a lot of mysticism. There's a lot of rituals. It's um, uh, a lot of um, African slaves came there from Benin and, you know, back in the day. And so there's a lot of African culture and things like that. So I grew up, um, you know, immersed in this mm. uh going and going to see witch doctors and getting herbs for having certain baths and, and and doing all sorts of crazy like rituals like popcorn showers and I don't know what else um so I was and and in and Bahia there's um uh, spiritualist churches like in every corner every street corner and it's not the spirit like the spirituality like you see in the western world it's different um it's more based on um spirits and um you know they have spirit doctors and um basically they followed a guy named alan kahdeki i'm not sure if you've heard of him he, so he was the very first like he was a famous um medium back in i think it was in the 40s or um and he channeled the first book um by spirit so a lot of the philosophies that they follow is based on you know his teachings so i was sort of introduced into like this spiritual occult witch doctor and all of that stuff from a very early age and that kind of like fascinated me my grandmother used to cleanse my energies with herbs you know um and and so i was always um curious about you know this side of things and um I remember when I had nightmares and, and, and instead of going to, or if I had some sort of, um, if I was sad or depressed, instead of taking me to a psychologist, I would get taken to the witch doctor or to the spirit doctor. And um, so that kind of left a big imprint, imprint, I think, in me in terms of what healing is. So when I started to develop like depression and like all my negative patterns in my teens, naturally like the first thing that came to me was you know I, I need to go see a spirit doctor I need to go to the witch doctor no I didn't think to go to a psychologist or a therapist right. you know so when I was uh, around 18 I, I studied Reiki um, so I started Reiki healing and then from then um, I, I was doing things like tarot and uh, color therapy and and all of this because color therapy and all of that is um uh, they teach it in, in these spiritual centers. So I started learning about that. And then when I got to, um, to, to choose basically to which university to go to, I, I basically wanted to do that. Mm. And so I started to look for more academic courses in, you know, natural therapies. And then I found a, a course in focused on health sciences and holistic and complementary therapies from the University of Westminster. And then I studied things like aromatherapy and reflexology and shiatsu and um, environmental stress. We did do counseling and things like that as well. Um, so from that, from there, it went to, after I left uni, I continued my studies. Um, so really I just dove into that whole field from an early age of just holistic, complementary, anything that was alternative. I wasn't really into the orthodox, you know, method. It was all, it had to be like spiritual or, or herbs and alternative therapies. So that's kind of like how it started. Um, but, and, and I started working with clients um, with, you know, these alternative therapies. So aromatherapy and counseling and um, anything that I could use that was natural. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Reiki and massage and all of that. But after a while, as, as you mentioned, I noticed that it was emotions that was actually keeping them stuck. So it, it um, and that just led me on a whole other journey of, um, wow, so I need to focus then on their emotions because what I noticed is that the clients that were not healing were the ones that were not processing their emotions. Mm. They wanted to suppress it and, and they would always come back a few months later repeating the same pattern. And I always wonder why are they not healing? And that's kind of what um, 
made me sort of look deeper into emotions and start my whole other journey on emotions. Um, but also going back to um, my story, it was only when I started to process my emotions, in particular, um, my childhood traumas that my life started to change that um, the more that I healed, the less desire that I had to, um, I, I, I didn't mention before, but to take drugs and I was into all sorts of um, negative, you know, patterns. I was depressed, I was suicidal and all of that. And so the more that I, I noticed that the more that I processed my emotions, the better I felt basically. And the same happened um, with my clients. Sorry, that's it in a nutshell, but we can dive deeper into yeah. oh, that you have. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, yeah, I know what suppressing feelings is all about. I did that for 12 years after my father passed away. And then I was diagnosed, I don't know if you know this, but my, my listeners do, but I was diagnosed with, you know, anxiety, depression, PTSD, loneliness, all these things, uh, because I held my feelings in. So one of my missions now is to help people not don't do what I did. Don't yes. do that because it can create addiction. It can create so many other things. And if you don't get to the root of the problem, no matter what you do, it's not really going to move you forward. You have to start with the pain, even though that's the hardest part. Um, 100%. Yeah. So when you were in that state of mind as well, when you were younger and you went through uh, the depression and all those things that you described, what was the first step for you in order to open up your feelings? Because when you're feeling like that, it's very, it's almost like you're, you're in a, a daze, right? And you're moving from one moment to the next. And sometimes we don't feel um, strong enough to even begin yeah. to share our feelings. What, what for you was like the very first step of opening up? So, um, I mean... I wouldn't say opening up, mm. but um, the first step was the Reiki, actually, because I knew that I wasn't feeling good and I was depressed, but nobody really taught me about emotions then. But I, knew, I noticed that when I did, when I had that Reiki, I felt a little bit better. Mm. So I felt, you know, there's some hope, <laughs> you know, of feeling better. I mean, later on, much later on, I realized that what I was doing is trying to bypass feeling the emotions. Um, but, but that my teacher then, and she didn't tell me, I didn't know, and nobody was teaching me about emotions, but I just, from that experience, I felt, okay, so if I feel better here, it's possible, mm. you know, for me to heal. And then I remember, um, it was, it was four, five, five years after that, when I was around 22, 23, I went to, um, therapy and basically, um, one of my traumas came up. I was raped when I was 14. Mm. And basically I just decided that it didn't happen like straight after. And I had pushed it so far down that um, I forgot about it. I mean, how bad is that? Um, and this is what we do, right? When we process, yes. uh, when we suppress a, a trauma, you actually shut off awareness to that trauma. You shut off um conscious awareness so I, I suppressed it so much I forgot about it and it came it came up in the session and I just started crying and I said to the I remember saying to the therapist I didn't I wasn't ready to deal with it and I once again pushed it down <laughs> and I didn't deal with it until mm -hmm. a few years later but that left an impact on me and then um it was only after I had my voice analyzed by um a guy named John Kelly a very interesting guy named John Kelly that I, I was following and um, basically he pinpointed some of my traumas and said that and he was the one that really put me down and said look you need to deal with your traumas otherwise you're not gonna basically um, uh, break these patterns mm -hmm. and it was from that conversation that I, I, I took what he said to heart and, and from then on I started to process my um, childhood um, uh, traumas. <laughs> Mm. so um yeah it was challenging because I went to a lot of healers but it was all these energy healing techniques and this herb and that herb and and no one was telling me mm. you need to deal with your traumas <laughs> they're all just giving me tools to to sort of um suppress them maybe they didn't know either um so I'm not sort of blaming them but 
I was just taught to use these tools. So it was a process. So the first time it came up and, and I didn't have the, the, the support mm. to, to deal with it. And then after this, um, John Kelly mentioned that, then I started to look for, you know, for a therapist and to, uh, for a healing coach and therapist to, to help me through going back and dealing one by one. <laughs> with thank my goodness. traumas thank goodness for people like john kelly right so we talk yeah. about sometimes it takes that one person to jolt us out of you know our state because i think we do i think most people when they suppress their feelings it's because they think they're protecting themselves like it's a way of well if i don't think of it it didn't happen like you just said and i don't you know i can ignore that i feel like this i can ignore that i feel like that and i'm over it yeah you know, there's there's this whole mentality i think um of mind over matter mm. you know just you have to have a strong mind and, and not think about it and you'll be fine and that's like the worst thing that you can do right yeah because showing emotion god forbid you know is weak right like yeah you know that's what you're not allowed to you're you know it's and don't be don't i got a lot don't play the victim Yes. And, and who wants to hear about my, my stuff anyway, you know? Yeah. It's sad that this is the world we live in. And so it's so important to hear, um, to hear stories like this and to hear success stories like you. And now someone who has struggled with, with these things and we all have something, you know, we all have some kind of trauma different from each other and we deal with things differently, but then to now work in this field where you're helping people. I love that so much, you know, cause you're coming full circle. And I find that it not only helps other people, but it continues to heal you as well. Right. Being in this, in this work. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And also like, I really, believe that the world is not going to change unless we all do our inner work mm. you know um yeah okay i can sort of heal myself and and evolve but then you know when you see other people suffering and then what's where's the joy in that you know yeah it's pain is tough it, it's 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 really <laughs> tough yeah. So when you first started and deal, you know, working with your clients, what kind of like transformations did you see when people started opening up with the, their emotions and connecting their, you know, that if I do this, if I start opening up about my emotions, you know, this is, I, you know, my life can change in this way. Like what kind of things did you experience through those, through those people? Yeah. So the, I remember the first couple of clients that I had, two of them had nervous breakdowns. Um, one of them, half her face and her um, arm and like half of her body, the right side of her body was starting to go numb from, from having a nervous breakdown. Um, the doctor said that, you know, nothing, nothing that they could do. It was just, you know, stress. So we worked together for just three months and, um, and, and working completely on emotions. I don't diagnose, I don't do anything. I just work on helping her process her emotions. Um, and lo and behold, after three months, she got all her, the, her um, uh, nervous system came back. Mm. So she started to feel again on all, all that side of the body and she was completely happy and healthy and recovered. Um, Let's just think about that for a second. You know, if people are listening right now, because, so I suffer from anxiety and when it was at the worst, um, I used to feel like bugs were crawling up and down my arms. And if you've never felt anxious or paralyzed on part of your body, or if you've never felt that, you might be thinking, well, that's kind of weird, you know, like, oh, uh, you know, but if you have, you know how real it feels. So first of all, there's judgment here, right? So people need to stop judging other people for, for their symptoms and for their things. But just for that one person, you know, I just don't want to go by that so quickly because for that one person, a lot changed. Yeah. You know, a lot. She got, got her health back, her, her nervous system. It was going to take over. It was slowly, it started in her face and it started to go down her arm and, and it was slowly taking over her body. Hmm. It just shows you how much the mind is connected, right? With the body. I mean, more than oh, yeah. what, people, what people realize and just the fear of day to day, what's happening to me? Why is my body like this? You know, it's, it's, there's just so many um, 
crucial reasons to deal with your emotions. And here's a, here's an example that you've just given us, you know, there's just so many things she probably had. It's not just the numbness. She probably had fear because what's happening. Yeah. Am I having a stroke? Like, why am I ever going to feel better? You know, yeah. she probably had people judge her for being crazy because of her symptoms. Like it's, there's so or many- exaggerating. Yes. I get that a lot. Or yeah. what, you know, and so it can, it can, that can play on your self-esteem, your self-confidence, your, the love you have for yourself. There's so many things that play into that, you know, yeah. so and I just kids want- and what, what's going to happen to me. And if I can't look after my kids, you yeah. know, it's just like there's a ripple thing. It just the, these feelings of suppression really do affect everything, and they affect the immediate people in your life, and it's it can be debilitating. So I just want people to realize that you know, yeah, so that's, that's great. I'm glad you're able to help her. Yeah, and I'm happy that you sort of stopped me. And, and I think because um, when it comes to health, like uh, we can talk about you know relationships, and I, I can give you lots of other transformation with other things. But when it comes to health, people find it really hard to um, link your health, physical health with emotions. Mm. Um, And they want a quick, they want a pill, they want um, a surgery or something, but they refuse to see the link with the emotions. And I really believe like the only reason why you got to that state is because you've been suppressing your emotions for so many years. Mm. It wasn't, it didn't just happen overnight, you know, and that energy, that emotion has to go somewhere. And depending on the emotion and how you respond to it and your personality, it will affect different parts of your body. That's why you get different sort of diseases with different, you know, types of emotions and things like that. Um, Absolutely. But I just really want people to, to, to hear this because If you just focus on healing your emotional wounds and traumas, you can actually heal physical conditions. Yes. And you know what? Um, I'm so glad that you said about the connection, you know, and and you reiterated that because when we're looking for that quick pill, that quick fix, all these things, we're looking for somebody else to solve this problem. And the reason why we're in this is because we're waiting for other people to solve this problem for us, you know, we're not wanting to necessarily put in the work sometimes because it's hard, you know, it's painful. We don't want to look within. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the more we help people realize that no one's coming to save you. That's something I say all the time. People can help you through your journey, but if you're not ready, nobody is going to come. You need to want to put in the work. And that's the hardest step I think is is saying, you know, I'm worth enough to, to feel better. Like this is possible, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, the desire has to come from you. The desire to heal has to start from you. Otherwise, I mean, you can go see, you know, therapists or coaches and you can have guides, but nothing will change until you, like you said, until you make the decision inside of you, then other people can support you, right? They can support you and guide you. And that's Um, true for so many things, whether you're quitting smoking or drinking or kinder to people, you know, it always starts with us. But I think as human beings, we just want, we're looking for for quick gratification, right? So we're looking for all the people outside. Well, why isn't, you know, why can't you just give me something quick, right? The one click society, I call it. (laughs) I love that. But it's so true because it can really affect, it doesn't just affect you, you know, healing yourself will affect your family, your community, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's amazing. We have to put in the work. We are worth it. And I think people need to know that we have to love ourselves, you know, in order to do all of these things, but we do need guidance. We cannot do it by ourselves. So that's why we need people like you, Melanie, and we need people that have been there and know how to work through it, you know, like I would never go and see a coach who didn't have any experience, but knew all the things from a book. You know, I think you yeah. do have to connect with somebody like yourself who's been through that. You've had the trial and error. You have uh, gone through different, you know, you've tried different things. You see what you can connect with. And I think that's so important. hundred percent. And um, just based on that, I will share that I've had some um, clients who are psychologists and psychiatrists and some who are both 
psycho psychologists and psychiatrists, and they were stuck in patterns and uh, because they weren't able to feel their emotions. They knew they had more knowledge than me about mm. certain diagnoses and the mind and all of that, but they weren't able to actually process their emotions. So that to me says it all. It's not just about knowledge in your head. It's about really feeling it, you know, in your body. And, and most people don't know how. And I think that um, once you have gone through it, like I have, I've, I'm still a work in progress, but, you know, I've done enough to be able to help, you know, a, a lot of people. Um, they People can, um, I call it empathetic healing. I'm not sure if you've heard that term, but it, it's like you, you, it's a resonance, like you resonate and you hold the space for them to be able to go to the depth that they need to in order to heal. And because I've been there, I can hold it to that depth. I'm not scared of, you know, the darkness or going to those deep places. And just by holding that space there for them, they feel safe and being able to access their own wound mm. and, and process it if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, you know, being feeling safe is huge, you know, and and I think of the things, the topics that we're talking about today, I always think of, you know, when people say it takes a village to raise a child, right? Because it takes a team of people, you know, you're at the head of that team, like as a patient, right? Or as a, as someone who needs, as a client, as somebody who needs that, that inner healing. And then Although it has to start with you, then you need people like you. You might need the psychologist, the psychiatrist. You know, then yeah. there's a team of people. Everybody has its own place. But none of those doors can be open without the willingness, like you said. And, and that's 100%. where I find people struggle the most. Yeah. Taking that very first step. Like, what advice would you have? Like, if somebody came to you and they said, you know, I'm not sure what's happening with me, but I don't feel that I'm living my life the way that I want to. I'm feeling kind of, you know, depressed. I'm feeling all these things. And they were kind of resistant to accepting their own ownership, right? So what's the first step, you think, to, to maybe not really convincing, but maybe just having that talk with them about feeling that they're worth it, you know? Sometimes we just need to help people feel um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like help people feel that they matter and that they're, they, they do need to put in the work, no matter how hard it is. I don't know if that's, if I'm describing it properly, but somebody yeah. be resisting it, you know? So I always say you, you need to start where you are. You can't skip steps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wish you could, but, um, um, I always start with, you know, accepting where you are. Mm. And if you and, and, and um, owning your truth in this moment. So if you feel depressed, say, I feel depressed. Mm. You know, so for me, the first step is always um, being truthful about where you are. I think that a lot of people, um, they know, let's say that they are depressed, but they resist mm. where they are, you know, and you can't make you can't start to change without accepting where you are. Because then so you're always thing again. Like, if yeah, you name it. That's and you're fighting step. reality. Mm -hmm. So it's really about owning where you are and really owning your truth. Um, uh, it's helpful to say it and to name things like you said, but just fully accepting, okay, this is this is where I'm at. This is what I've, you know, created for myself. This is how I feel. Mm -hmm. um, but I think just based on a lot of the clients that I've worked with, uh, what people struggle with the most is actually understanding themselves and understanding their emotions. Um, so for example, uh, with depression, and I know because I suffered from depression for you know years, um, what I didn't know, I thought I was depressed, but actually I was suppressing anger and rage at my childhood, mm. you know, and, um, if you, if you don't understand the language of emotions and how a lot of people use different, they use a more acceptable emotion because they don't want to feel, let's say, I didn't, I, I, I didn't want to feel the rage and the anger. Also because, you know, as a child, I, I, um, it wasn't safe for me to feel rage and anger because I, got, I was beaten, you know, I was beaten, you know, by my mother. So I had suppressed it for so long and then, in my teens, it turned into depression because I wasn't allowed to feel the rage. Mm. 
wasn't acceptable. I like that you mentioned no. acceptable emotions because they're definitely acceptable and not acceptable. Like people do judge. Yes. You know? So it's more accept acceptable to be identified as someone who is depressed than someone who is filled with rage, a woman who is filled with rage and angry. Mm. That's ugly. You know, that's. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that you said that because I think people will resonate with that a lot. And but who says, you know, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable? Like, I think the more we feel in tune with who we are and we apologize less for being who we are, the more things become acceptable, you know, and we don't really care if they're not acceptable. Like you get to a point like in, in all the work that you've done with yourself, you're now at a point where maybe, you know, you don't really put as much emphasis on what other people think is acceptable you just don't care because you're okay you're at peace with it you're and that's what this is about you know like we all just have one life so let's try to not have other people's judgments affect and change who we are and what we want to do in our healing right 100 percent. and and i'll add to that like a lot of the times it was our parents projected judgments and emotions that we take on that's why we don't allow ourselves to feel certain emotions and then they end up being stuck in our bodies yeah because our parents oh you're not allowed to do that you know if you fall don't cry if you if yeah. you, you know if you it's not it's not ladylike to be that angry or to throw something yes don't talk back or i'll give you something or, to cry about yes you know and i have a teenager now and it's almost like there's this fine line between talking back Mm. and allowing him to share how he feels wow right because there's a way I want him to express himself to me because I was not able to do that at his age like like you're saying in your story but at the same time there is a fine line between I don't know I don't know it's like you want to hear you want to hear the honesty as much as it hurts you know but at the same time you want them to be respectful, right? Yes. So we, we can be respectful yet true in our, in, you know, it's too bad. Like a lot of kids could go to their parents. Like, you know, like I wish for that. I wish, because I think that would solve a lot of problems in our adulthood. <laughs> if we could. It would, yeah. <laughs> it would change the world, I think. Yeah, because a lot of, a lot of, do you find a lot of your clients, their stuff stems from when they were children? Oh, 100%. All of them. Yeah. All of them, 100%. Because they don't feel like they have a voice as a child, right? So I think that's. Yeah. They don't have a voice. It wasn't safe to feel emotion. They weren't taught. Um, You need to be seen and not heard. Mm. Or they were beaten as well. Or, Mm. yeah, it all stems from, you know, childhood, I believe. Yeah, you're little, so you have no no personality. You don't have anything to say, and nothing you're going to say is important. So I don't want to see you know the sad face and the anger, and just respect your parents. Yeah. So sad, you know. But yeah, we're it breaks my heart. Yeah, we're learning to be different and do better, and and it doesn't necessarily. Maybe they don't think it comes from a bad place. Maybe they didn't know. Correct. Yeah, not all parents. You know, when I. It's funny because when I say this, people immediately get defensive about their parents <laughs> and it makes me laugh because they immediately assume that I'm saying that their parents are evil and they're this, that and the other. And it's not that at all. Like, like you said, sometimes the parents just didn't know any better mm-hmm. and that's, and, and that's okay. And you still need to address your trauma. Like I, I feel that because it was, um, they say, oh, but they didn't know any better. It's a way of dismissing their own childhood wounds. Mm-hmm. And then they stay stuck in the same pattern. And because they don't want to point at, okay, this, what mommy did here or my, what, what daddy did here was like painful. Yeah. Cause you love them. I mean, you still, yeah. you know, you still love them. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm learning from my mistakes every day. So my <laughs> as well as a parent, but yeah, it's so important. I, I really love that you spoke about that, Melanie, about the acceptable and, you know, what what's acceptable anyways, like all those acceptable emotions. And it, it doesn't make it easier for people to deal with, with their pain. And 
No, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't. Um, I don't. I'm not sure if you've heard me say like I've, I've just put a re recent video out. Like healing doesn't take time; it takes courage. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. It takes courage to make the decision to feel and to to point at what was wrong. You know, what was abuse, what was not, what when they neglected you, and and. Mm. And not only just courage, but I think that's why it's great for people to connect with people like you, because once you do open up, you need the tools. What do I do with all these feelings? Right. Because yeah. it's one thing to open up and to start connecting with your emotions. But then what do you do? You know, they have to have somebody to guide them because then you're you're like, wow, I'm feeling too much. You know, how do people deal with that when they're just feeling too much and they're, you're afraid of them going and going back into themselves? Um, this is the issue because when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling too much, you are actually on the edge mm. of your breakthrough. And what most people do is they withdraw, you know, and they, they react to it and that they, they, they want to do something to make it go away. But actually it's about you learning to feel overwhelmed and be okay feeling overwhelmed. And, and so you're, you're, um, consciously, I mean, I mean, there are things that you can do like breathing, mm -hmm. slowing down your breath, um, taking your awareness into your body, being present. You still feel overwhelmed, but you're sort of working, allowing it to be there. You're not judging it. You're just feeling it and going through it. And what will happen is actually the more that you can surrender to this emotion rather than react to it or try to make it go away, the quicker that you'll get to the other side. So it's not about doing something with the overwhelm. It's actually sitting with it. Mm. And that's what most people don't want to do, right? Let it get ugly. Let it <laughs> yeah. get ugly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you have nothing left. Like just. I love that. Get it. You know, for me, what happens sometimes was when I'm ready to like, okay, enough is enough. And I need to sit with myself and figure things out. You know what helps me sometimes? It's, it might sound trivial, but a weighted blanket. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes can help me yeah. because I'm like, I don't want anybody to see me going through this ugly stage, you know, but I feel like it's still like a hug, you know, or something like people can find different ways, you know, different things to do in those moments that you, it's like an addict, right? So if an addict is going through withdrawal and they get to that point where they're vomiting and they're doing all these things, and it's just like that edge, like what you were talking about. I love that you said that. Um, then you know yeah. you're on the breakthrough. It's so true. That's the hardest moment. You know, it's the hardest moment. <sighs> and like you said, I like that you said about the blanket because sometimes, yeah, I've gone under the blanket, especially when it's fear related. But there are different things. Obviously, the being with it mm -hmm. and just going through it. Um, but for me, sometimes I write poetry. You know, I when I'm in the middle, did you? When I'm in the middle of the black hole and in a state, I just start to hear words in my, I, I, this just happened naturally. It wasn't something that I'm not a poet. I don't consider myself a poet, but it just started to happen. And every time I went to a deep core wound, I started to hear words and then I would write it. And it was, whenever I finished the poem, I was on the other side of the breakthrough. So um, poetry is something that sort of came from, came out of the blue for me. <laughs> I love that so much. I was looking at your website. So for those that are listening, please go and read her poems. They are so beautiful, honestly. And that's a great, they're way. pretty dark, aren't they? They're pretty heavy. But you know but, what? Um, when you're yeah. in a dark place, you appreciate that. It's okay yeah. that they're dark. That's it. They're real. Like, yeah. you know, if I'm in a dark place, I'm not going to go, Oh, you know, like sometimes <laughs> dark stuff can make you feel worse for a minute. And then it changes. And it's like, I don't feel alone in this. You know, yeah. I don't feel like I'm the only one. It's okay. I'm not going to die from my pain. Like somebody else knows what this is like, you know, yeah. and sometimes when you can't put words to certain feelings and you read somebody else's, like I read your poems and I think they're beautiful. Like, Thank for you. yeah, honestly, people go on there because she's got a whole uh, tab for, for her poems. But for me, it's songwriting. So I tend to oh, nice. Yeah, write songs and, and just 
get the feelings out there because music is connecting you know that's my thing but we all have different beautiful things, you know whether you yeah. put painting on a canvas or whether I always find though it's something creative but even if yeah, you don't correct feel, yeah but even if you don't feel like you're a creative person and you can't draw it's not about how good you are at what you're doing it's just about doing it yeah it's about expressing it creatively somehow yeah. And do you find yeah. that most people, like when you say, oh, you have to, you know, get in tune with your emotions and everything. Do you feel that most people think it's just about talking? Because a lot of times you can't talk about it. That's the whole point of why you're there and why you're suppressing it. Um, I actually, I find people ask me, what do I do? Mm, that's good. Action, right? <laughs> what do I do? And, and, but actually it's the opposite. I'm like, you don't have to do anything mm. <laughs> you have to be with the emotion that's what you need to do if if you want to do anything so um i seem to att attract clients that want to do they want to intellectualize and do rather than feel mm. you know so obviously when we work together when i have a session with someone in the session that's when i sort of hold the space for them to really go deep and then i do give them homework and things to, and i give them journaling questions and things but um it's the feeling and just being and not doing that I find people struggle with the most. Mm. But having said that, what we're just talking about, being creative does help mm. to get in touch with the emotion. Well, I think it can be um, a good starting point for people that are really struggling just to, because sometimes it's hard to, to put feelings to, there are, sometimes there aren't any words yet that are in the vocabulary of, you know, that I feel really explain what it is. Like, you, I'm sure, like, we all, I think, feel emotions that don't really, we can't find the words. Yeah. Like, those words haven't been created yet, you know, but sometimes when you're doing something creative, I think it just comes out. Maybe it lets you feel and not have to speak the words that, because you can't find them sometimes. Yeah, I agree. That's nicely said, yeah, it's because um, it's important for us to, um, I'm not sure if you heard this, but Carl Jung says that you have to pinpoint the emotion mm. in order to sort of process it and heal it. But if you can't pinpoint it, then what do you do? So mm. yeah, expressing it creatively in a way where you feel complete. Okay, this is, this is, uh, this represents how I feel. I love when you're talking, Melanie, about you said it's not so easy as just to say I'm depressed, right? There's probably like five things behind that. Like you said, the rage, the anger, the uncertainty, like the self-doubt, all these things. Those are the pinpointed things that you want, right? You want people to go behind why are you yeah. depressed, like, and really get into you know, rather than just say I'm depressed, like, but what is that feel for you? Because for you, it felt rage for me, it might feel lonely, or it might feel something else. Yes. Yeah, correct. There'll be different reasons for different people. Mm -hmm. um, but also, um, even just like, let's take depression, for example, a lot of people may be depressed, and they don't even know it. You know, because they busy themselves with things or, you know, I, I always say that I was a high functioning depressed, dep depressed person because I had a social life, you know, I had, I was working and I was doing this and and, and I had friends, but deep down I was depressed. Mm. So, and I find that I get a lot of, um, you know, successful people, CEOs and managers, and they have jobs and, and they yeah. have a, a social life. But yeah, they're unfulfilled and depressed. So, and they didn't know it. It was just sort of lingering there for like some simmering there for like some time before they actually. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Took action. Yeah, no, thank you for saying that. Because I think as society, we have um, a picture of what a depressed person looks like. Yeah. You know, it could be somebody who can't hold a job or somebody who, you know, doesn't take care of their kids or doesn't do it's not true. Not true at all. True. You know, I was, is a good word that you said, um, high functioning, because that was me. I had a job, I was social, yeah. I had all these things, but nobody knew the me when I got yeah. in the car after my shift. Immediately, yeah. then I could take off the armor, you know, and just everything 
you know, like want to be under the blanket and just not talk to mm-hmm. anybody. And then it would take all that healing in the evenings to get enough energy to do the job in the morning, to do yes. all these things, to be there for other people. And I don't think people realize that. I think that we need to get, become informed, you know, more and more that one thing for one person isn't the same as the other person. So thank you for 100%. saying And isn't that sad that the majority of society is depressed and and we don't feel safe or comfortable talking about it we sort of try to hide it and live in this facade it's very sad a lot of people are walking around unhappy for sure for sure and that's why you do what you do yeah you know because you know it works oh yeah 100 percent. you're so easy to talk to like you know i'm sure people come to you and they always feel better it's amazing well sometimes i i do have to confront them with the truth that they don't want to hear but <laughs> yes but that's when you have it was a john kelly you said was your was yes. that the name of the day okay so i could see him maybe saying okay you need to start working on this you need and you're probably like in your mind going all right he's being mean or i don't want to hear him yelling yeah at he's me. being harsh or like yeah um you know but then it's like thank god for people like that yeah so and and sometimes they they i like um you plant a seed right maybe they don't they're not ready now but i've had clients come back to me after two years or six years or you know four months and say you know two years ago you told me that i had father issues this that and the other and uh, i didn't believe you i thought you were but uh you were spot on (laughs) can we work together (laughs) Because we become defense, you know, we, we put up this defense, right? Like we get defensive yeah. and it's true. And I'm pretty blunt. I like things. I like, you know, I just like to get to the core. Like, you know, I don't like, like you said, I don't, when we were talking before, I don't like you small, know, small talk, but let's just get straight to the core, you know, the heart core, as I call it. And because that's where the true healing is, right? Absolutely. I love it. Life is too short to be talking about the weather. I don't know. I just <laughs> like, honestly, I did that for years and it didn't help me. <laughs> so, that's great. Is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you really want the audience to know? Is there anything that you'd like to speak about that maybe we didn't get to? Yeah, I want to um, share a little bit about um, emotional addictions mm. and um, how it can actually be very subtle um so you could be addicted to i mean the the common one would be like people pleasing and self-sacrifice and Mm. um uh workaholic but then you could actually be addicted to you know coffee as a way to suppress your emotions Mm. or you could be addicted to um self-pity or complaining Yes. For example, and and um, or addicted to judging others to make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. So there are we have a lot of emotional addictions that we're not aware of, um, and all of these stem from somewhere. And it's really about you know being honest with yourself and really taking a good look at yourself. And where do I do this? You know what am I doing out of addiction and impulse and to avoid an emotion rather than out of joy and out of like, I I love this or, you know, but I think, um, yeah, that's the only thing that I want to share. There's a lot of things that we do to avoid feeling and there are little things that we wouldn't think of. Mm. It's true. If we put the focus on somebody else's um, problems, you know, yeah. and I don't know about you, but I was addicted to being in the dark place. I was so used to yeah. it. It was less work. You yeah. Know, less work. Yeah. Just yeah, it can be. And, yeah. Hmm. It, 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 all of our, um, all of the states such as depression, actually, and anxiety, it becomes an addiction. Eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a lot of unhappy people in the world, but you know what? I have a lot of hope. I have hope because I think more people, especially this new generation coming in, like my son's age, 
you know, they're more in tune with themselves. And I think as parents, we're learning from our traumas and we're trying to be different for the new generation for our kids as well. And I do see it getting better. You know, I do see people healing and more people talking about it and it being more yeah. accepted to talk about, to talk about it. You don't have to have it all together to be a decent yes. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a lot of people are waking up. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are starting to do, you know, their inner work. Um, and that's a good thing, of course, because then that's also going to impact your children and their joy. And hopefully someday, you know, we will have children and they won't have to experience any of this, <laughs> you know. I think it's oh, healthy to experience some of it because I think you do need, I think a life without any adversity at all, um, it won't really help people either. Like you won't know how, you know, to feel how it is to feel bad and to feel good, but not, I don't want people to experience traumas, but I think we do need mm -hmm. to, you know, have a life where there are ups and downs so we can appreciate, appreciate things more too. Right. But yeah, you know, but not the holding in of emotions that I hope disappears. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I see, I see the healing in the healing coach here today, Melanie. I see your healing <laughs> coming through. <laughs> thank oh, you. Thank no, you for having me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And tell us where we can find you, where we can work with you, where we can see your beautiful poems. And mm -hmm. you know, I must say, uh, your, your video, um, living with your open heart and open heart video on your website is so beautiful. So genuine. Um, I really, it really talked to me and spoke to me and, yeah, it was beautiful. So everybody thank you too. But what's your website? <laughs> um, it's just my name. It's Melanie with a Y, uh, Melanie-Oliver.com. And um, you can, the poems is, is, uh, is on there at the top tab. You can click on the poems and then you'll check that out. Um, and if you subscribe, you will get the full documentary. So that was just a snippet of a documentary that I created. I'm not sure if you. Um... I'm going to do that. Yes, oh, I you did. A chance, okay. but I'm going to sign up for sure. Yes. So um, you'll receive uh, the documentary and um, a reflection workbook uh, that goes with the documentary. Um, so you can start healing your emotional wounds. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, you can find me on Facebook. I've just started a new Instagram account like a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think that's it. <laughs> oh, LinkedIn as well. If you're a LinkedIn person. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm so glad to have connected with you. And you really brought some things to the forefront today that I think are really going to help the audience and the people listening at home. Um, because no one goes without some kind of trauma or story. We all have that. I mean, being alive and being just a human being, we're not exempt. You know, we, everybody. 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 So if you're, if you're thinking to yourself, you know, well, I'm going to pretend I don't, you know, you're kidding yourself because we all do and nobody's going to believe you anyways. And we just need to deal with our stuff, you know, get to the ugly, get to the yeah. ugly part so that you can get, what was the way you said it, get to the edge of your, um, your breakthrough, right? Yeah. Get to the edge and, and uh, go through it so you can have your, your breakthrough. Yeah. Thank you so much, Melanie. Thank you for having me here, Nelia, and I hope that your audience enjoys, you know, our chat. <laughs> oh, I know they will. It's absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.